0: Hello and welcome to the E-Team Podcast. These are conversations with ministry and marketplace leaders from across the country that provide insight and encouragement. For more information about this podcast and any and all resources provided by the E-Team, please visit us at e-team-inc.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition, uh, another episode, if you will, of Uh, the e-team podcast which we like to call e-talks and um, i could not be more excited about introducing our next guest to you this is my pastor uh, mr matt hudson Uh, he is a lead pastor at rescue house a multi-site church serving the communities of moxville and winston-salem north carolina matt
1: how you doing this morning I'm doing all right, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I mean, I love what the E teams are doing. I love your vision and uh, just really believe the best is yet to come for you guys. So I'm just honored that uh, you would um, have me on and uh, I'm glad to be here.
0: Thanks, I appreciate that. Well, hey, tell us, uh, tell the audience, I know a lot about you. Like I said, you are my pastor, man. Mm-hmm. And man, you, you welcome me in and uh, my family uh, a couple years ago. And I've just had the honor of being under your leadership and part of some staff meetings and leading some of the teams and uh, I know what you have today for our audience man is just going to bring them great value because I've got a chance to see you behind the scenes on the stage and in front of everyone And man you live out um, what you teach and what you give and so tell our audience today of who is Matt Hudson and a little bit about Rescue House.
1: Yeah um, so uh, like I said my name is Matt Hudson honored to be here and I'm 37 years old um, I started the church when I was 26 um, and I had no idea what I was doing um, I had like this massive afro I'm, I'm <laughs> Caucasian and you know and like I, I can't believe looking back that anybody would follow a 26 year old with a massive afro and um, but I uh, got God used me God called me and um, yeah we planted Rescue House Church um, about 10 years ago um, January 2010 was our launch date and um, it's been the craziest rides man it's um, up and down it's all around it's been amazing um, we've seen some incredible victories I mean marriages restored addiction surrendered um, but at the same time it's it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life um, but the rewards are the greatest and so um, and I really believe that that um, you know, when God called me to do this, he didn't give me steps five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He literally just said, go, I want you to plant a church in your hometown. And that was it. And if he had to give me steps five, six, seven, eight, like I would have said no, because it was just so hard and, um, painful at times. But like I said, the reward has just been unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, we're here 10, we celebrate our 11 years in January and, um, I believe our best is yet to come and what God is doing here is just phenomenal. And, um, you know, all praise to Jesus, though, for sure.
0: Well, you you kind of hit on it a little bit. So take us back um, a few years early into your leadership. So you you graduate from college. You receive a call to plant a church, not just plant a church, but plant a church back in your hometown, which is a huge challenge. Um, And then you launch the church. So, what were those first few days and months and years like? And maybe what are what are some of the greatest challenges that you that you faced? I know there's probably a lot of them, but uh, we can have session one and two and three <laughs> if we need to. But go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah. So when God called me, I was in a classroom. I was getting my master's. I was about twenty-seven hours in, and um, as far as credit hours, and I I was in that classroom, and I I heard the Lord really speak to me and tell me to get out of the classroom. It's time to return home and plant a church. Um, and I was very, I was like, did I hear that correctly? Just because, you know, Jesus, it says he couldn't do a lot of miracles in his hometown. And, but then Jesus says, you're going to do greater things than me. Right. And, um, and so I came home and, um, I got married the, the next month we planted the, or we began the planning stages of the church, which is not a good idea. Um, And that took a toll on my marriage, uh, the planning stages and trying to get that off the ground. So I had to refocus on what was important there. But then we that was in March 2009. Then we planted in January 2010 and we were off to the races. And you just have to understand that I yes, I had the theology piece of it. Like when you go to college, they teach you all the theology. But they don't teach you how to plant a church. They don't teach you leadership. They don't teach you uh, what ministry is really like. And so I really came out of it knowing how to interpret the Bible. I didn't know how to preach the Bible. I never preached a sermon. I never led anything. I didn't know anything about vision. I didn't, I literally didn't know. I equate it to uh, you know, if it were you and you never played a down in football or been to a practice or been around, all you had was you saw it on TV and yet somebody came to you and said, Oh, you're the next head coach of your, this high school football. Like, what would you do? That's what it was like for me. I had no idea what I was doing. And so I just said, Hey, I got to get in the room with the best of the best and who's doing it really well. And, um, I'm not going to name job, but like I got in the room with the best and learned from them that first year and really just kind of looked in how they ran their playbook and what they did. And, um, cause I just didn't know and I didn't have anybody coaching me. I, again, all I had was theology. Um, some crazy stuff would happen in, in the first 18 months. You know, my best friend, who came and helped me plant the church. I had to let him go because of a moral failure. They don't teach you that in college. And on top of that, when that was happening, I had a a, a nodule um, uh, or an assist on my vocal cord, and I just had vocal cord surgery. And so I had to be quiet for a month, and I basically had to let him go by writing it on a whiteboard. (laughs) So, uh, And then uh, there was another Sunday where... um, you know everybody had kind of left and kind of cleared out and i kind of just sat down at my desk just to kind of you know decompress for a moment and here comes uh, a young guy probably my age at the time 25 26 and he just comes in my office and he just slams on my desk he slams a heroin needle with a burnt spoon with remnants of heroin on my desk And he uses some choice words. I won't use them here, but he basically is saying, Pastor, I don't ever want to do this again. Help me with this. And all I can think is, like, there's drugs on my desk. There's drugs on my desk. There's, like, (laughs) I'm going down. The church is over. Like, if somebody finds out about this. and um, But I just say all that to say is. I, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I just thought, man, we're going to plant a church. It's going to be awesome. And, you know, people are going to be happy and it's fun. And I didn't even know you needed a bank account. That's how <laughs> ignorant I was. Um, but what I did have was a strong sense of calling. Mm. I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I was supposed to do this. And my calling would not let me give up. It's why we're here Um 11 years later, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's all about Jesus, but it's about Jesus and and that calling. And I just think, you know, if there's anybody listening to this, you know, thinking about planting a church or thinking about even taking over any type of ministry, you need to have a great sense of calling. Like, planting a church is not just a good thing to do. Um, Planting a church is not something that you just want to, you know... (laughs) Um, I'm frustrated here, so I think I can do a better job than what leadership I'm under. So I'm just going to go do this. Like you need to be called by God or you're not going to make it. It's why the average church plant lasts 18 months and they have to close their doors. Um, and so I didn't have any training, any leadership, any vision. I, didn't, I had to learn all of that in the beginning, but what I did have was a great sense of, of calling and Galatians 6 9 says let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up and that's my verse and that's my story and I'm just not my calling won't let me quit Um, even though there are seasons and times where absolutely I want to I tell people if you ain't wanted to quit you ain't doing it right Um, so um, that's just kind of my story a little bit there in the beginning and some of those challenges
0: yeah, so, I mean, you mentioned about, obviously, you had times where you really just felt like you wanted to just throw in the towel. Sure. And, you know, if if you listen to a lot of leadership talks, uh, they talk about, you know, great leaders. We don't really know how close we are to the success that we're, a lot of times they give up right before that success how close that margin is. Uh, you like that. I, I use the word margin. That's you right. spoke about that yesterday, yeah. which is good, but how close and how narrow that margin is from success to failure. And so uh, speaking a little bit of that, like what, what were some of those, you, you kind of touched on them, but if you don't mind speaking some of those low moments where you just, you can go back to the, and just like, you felt like throwing in a towel, but your calling gave you that extra push over the edge. Um, so that's kind of part one, and then part two. Like, obviously, you have to surround yourself with some good people. And so, how did you go about maybe seeking or praying or um, to to go and kind of sit down and receive some uh, leadership from others?
1: Sure. So my first big moment where I was like, I don't, you know, really questioning was, you know, we kind of started in March two thousand nine in like the planning stages, and I had eight families with me and. You know, I was very upfront with them and honest, like, this is the vision. This is where we're going. Um, This is what this is going to look like. Like, I didn't, when I say I didn't know about, I didn't know how to cast vision. I didn't know we need to have a vision statement, but I knew what I wanted the church to look like, feel like, things of that nature. And so I let them know that all up front before I even came and kind of planted the church with these eight families. And when we started January 2010, um, only 10% of them were with me. And I just thought, man, 90% of the families that wanted to do this didn't even make it to launch day. (laughs) Like how, like, how is this going to work? But on the first day we have 45 people. And um, from then on, it just began to build. And um, it was just God coming through every time, you know, and he will, if you'll just trust him, if you'll just hang in there, if you just won't quit in the dip, you know, like he's faithful and will bring you out of that. And, and you're going to grow through it. And that's, you know, when I'm thinking about here, where I am now, I've grown most in the Valley and in the dip. I don't grow on the mountaintop that's for like celebration, but it's in these low points when I'm like, man, am I doing this right? Am I, did you really call me to do that? You know, those are the times. And then God comes through. And, um, and so while I'm questioning and 90% of these families, Come out. He just simply replaced them very quickly, and um, and we went forward. So, um, you know, early on, people leaving the church. The reality is, people. You know, whoever's listening to this, people are going to leave your church. They're going to leave my church. It's just how it rolls. You're not going to be perfect in it. The church is run by imperfect people, and so just learning not to take that personally and knowing that God can can use that, and and God may use you for a season um, to minister to those people, and that's okay. Um, another big challenge is raising money. I hate talking about money. I hate it. Um, every time, you know, I did a campaign or something of that nature, you know, a good amount of people would leave and they would make stuff up. They would call me a fraud. They would say I'm all about money, things of that nature. And those things hurt, you know. Um, I don't mind people talking about me if it's like true, uh, but it's when people start saying things that aren't true. and so. But I've learned Um, that's kind of early on. I've learned that as a pastor, I really have to have thick skin and a soft heart. And so, um, I feel like I've got that now and, um, I don't really let that stuff bother me anymore. But in the beginning, you know, you're 26, 27, 28 years old and you got these people launching these, you know, attacks and I wasn't prepared for that. Wasn't ready for that. Um, but also the Lord came through and, um, yeah, grew
0: me in it. Yeah. Well, part of, like you said, um, you're, you received the call about planning a church. And you I mean you had the tools to go and teach, right, to te- teach the Word. And and um, they, they equipped you, basically, in that in school. And, like you said, you didn't get a lot of um, – you didn't really know how to deal with that guy that just threw the drugs down on the, the table and they didn't really cover <clears throat> the finance side of things and all the challenges you're going to face. And they probably didn't cover the whole staffing and building a team around you. Nah. <laughs> I'm sure that's probably been a, a, a learning experience as well. If you don't mind speaking to that a little bit, like, because you have a great team around you. Mm-hmm. And as leaders, we're only as good as the team around us. And so if you don't mind, maybe maybe share some of the success and failures of some of that, of of finding that team, selecting the team, and then some of maybe the challenges of, hey, you may have somebody on the team, but they may not be in the right seat on the bus. Sure. And and, and just how the challenges in navigating those waters.
1: Yeah, so when I look for somebody, and I'll just be very vulnerable with you, I'm yeah. terrible at hiring people. Like, if you told me I ain't, don't have to hire anybody else and, you know, my team can hire um let's let's rock and roll with that because (laughs) i'm like if you've got a modern resume and you look good and you got some talent like come on let's go and um so i don't even think i'm like the best to to hire somebody Mm -hmm. but i have uh felt like i have had some success in recruiting and developing people over the years to to be a part of the team especially to where we are now and um you know i really look for people who are not just a hired hand but they're built for the, for the wolf. And if you read John 10, it talks about how, you know, the good shepherd, Jesus, man, he will lay down his life for the sheep, but a hired hand when the wolf comes will abandon the sheep. And so I'm looking for people who are built for the wolf. All right. And they're not just a hired hand. They're not just, they don't do ministry for money. They literally are in it. And so what I do like to do, especially now as we We really wanna try to hire people from within. We wanna look and see what you've done. Um, And that's a question that we ask in the hiring process. Like, what have you done? We don't wanna hire on potential. We wanna look for patterns of what people have done, how they've served, their character, Um, also chemistry. Um, So we hire for those three things, competence, chemistry, and character. And that's how we add people um, to our team. And we found more success by hiring people from within than we have from hiring somebody from the outside. It's just very hard to adjust them to our culture and kind of get them on board. But somebody that comes in and serves for two, three, four years, and then we say, hey, have you thought about this? Um, this is their home church. Many of them have placed their faith in in Jesus. Um, I mean, I would probably say, you know, um, 30 40 percent of our staff got saved here, baptized here, you know, or something. It took a very big next spiritual step here, and so they're this is their home, you know, and they and they just care at another level versus somebody we're bringing somebody in from the outside. Yeah, that's good, takes a little bit more time, sure. <laughs> that's good, there, yeah. <laughs> but like great leaders, um, you know, we don't find them, we need to form them, mm-hmm. and that's what. We we need a little bit more seasoned people over time to to develop them and things of that nature. So when somebody comes in for three or four years, they've been seasoned, they've been formed, and then they're ready versus just trying to hire quick and go find somebody. Let's let's form them, and that's kind of how we found some success, but definitely we've hired some from the outside, and it's very hard to um, see character in a hiring process and we have a hiring process. It's a 14 step process that we put people through and um, you know, some people have gotten through and then we start seeing red flags and then um, it just, it's, it's detrimental when you have to let somebody go and it costs the organization way more money um, to let somebody go and and cost you families and things of that nature. It's just, so hiring is, is, is key. And and especially early on um, getting that right. That's good, man.
0: Well, let's let's go today. Okay. So now you're 11 years in, and you've touched on some of this. We really want to highlight something. So if you think about or go back early to today, um, what do you say? What, what would you say one of your um, – because a lot of times when we look back on something, we can't see it when we're in the weeds or we can't see it in, in that particular season, but we're on the other side of uh, that season. We can look back and see what God did and, and how we've improved and where we can get a little bit of confidence if we're open to, to receive that right so t- leadership today opposed to leadership back 11 years ago what are some of the things where you've seen you've really grown that you weren't given but the tools you kind of possess today and and how would you encourage uh, what would, some advice that you you would give to someone who is receive the call but take kind of taking that next step into planning a church or just stepping
1: into full-time ministry in the beginning I uh, just full you know vulnerability I was all about the numbers I mean that's how we kept score was how many butts are in the seats and um, and I, I you know I felt like in good faith and with a good heart um, I cast this vision that uh, you know we want to see 10,000 lost people get saved which is a good goal right it's a it's a you know we want to make heaven more crowded we want to reach people Um, but what I focused more on was the reaching and not the making and you can't reach if you don't learn how to make and so man we would reach a ton of people I mean a few years in I got to stand on the stage and go hey man we've seen uh 2,500 people get saved I mean that's a lot right and I'm looking at the crowd there's 300 people there and you know what they're thinking? It's very hard to celebrate when everybody's like, "We're we're all them people at." <laughs> like, and God gave me this vision, like after you know I'd made that declaration, and we had kind of run after that for a few years, that there would be a day when I could stand on the stage and say, "We saw our ten thousandth person give their life to Jesus," and there's still only five hundred people in the room, and I just thought, that's not is that really worth celebrating? Um, and I understand God and all of heaven rejoices when somebody crosses from death to life. And But to me, that's not the legacy that I want to leave. And also, like, we're burning people out, chasing a numeric goal and uh, a numeric vision. And God gave me the vision that I'm going to stand up there and say that, and all the people that, had you know a hand in getting me there weren't there anymore because we burned them out and so literally like when I kind of realized that um, I repented to the Lord of that and the very next Sunday I stood on the stage in front of our church and I just repented and I just said I'm sorry I'm sorry that I led us in this way I'm sorry that I was so focused on numbers and number of hands and you know, number of decisions. And I wasn't focused on loving you and shepherding you and helping you become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And man, I just bald. I mean, just buckets, dude, like, uh, just repenting before my church And man, they were so gracious and, um, said they had my back. And, um, and so we literally went from focusing on this number of 10,000 lost people to the number one. And we said, from this point forward, we're just going to focus on the one. Jesus left the 99 for the one. Like, we're just going to minister to the person in front of us. So we're not going to look past people. We're in the people business. And so if somebody's in front of you, that's like Mr. Rogers would say, that's the most important person um, in your life right then. And so be able to speak into them. And so we kind of had this saying, like, I was the one. So in other words, like, I was that one that was lost, but now I am the one, uh, to love the one. And, and so we just, um, made that big. And once we did that, the culture in our house, literally the stress, the anxiety on our staff, on our volunteers literally went from a 10 to a two, you know, cause it was like, maybe we can breathe again. And, We can just love people. And that doesn't mean that we still don't count or, you know, we just, we count differently. And I believe even in this pandemic that we're in and the season that we're in 2020, God is changing how we keep score. And so I would say to the person who's planting a church or who is kind of young in in that way, um, do not keep score by how many butts are in the seats on a Sunday morning. That is just a very, very small piece uh, to measure the growth in your church. Um, so, yeah. Well, you mentioned the pandemic. Mm-hmm.
0: And just kind of in closing, um, what's some advice? Um, where, where are you finding, you spoke yesterday on the principles of peace, and you gave six principles of peace in this time of uncertainty. And it's tough right now for leaders because, I mean, leaders you you tend to you have to go somewhere first to lead someone there. Well, we don't have that opportunity, right? We're all experiencing this together. And, um, we've never seen anything like this. So, in I want to encourage everybody to go and listen to that <laughs> that talk of six principles of peace because it was great. Um, so, what are some things that you've done? You know. Because we're pivoting almost every day, it seems like, with not meeting, now meeting, and all this kind of stuff. Um, What are some things that you've just really learned in this season um, and that you're able to find peace in?
1: Yeah, and, you know, this isn't like, you know, I don't know if you came to this podcast to hear this because it just seems so simple, but I've just had to double down on my time with God, man. I mean, there's nothing that replaces time with God. Nothing. I mean, I can try to give you some cool things that I've done or whatever. And it's just not going to help you. Um, I had to double down on my time with the Lord and uh, you have to pray the hardest when it's the hardest to pray. Right. And there are some days where I just don't feel like praying or feel like going before God, but that man, that's when you need to lean in the most and depend on him. And that's what God is doing in this season is he is, you know, you can, we can use the word purging or, um, you know, pruning, but he is, and we see it all the time in scripture with the Israelites, you know, they depend on him and then they get kind of comfortable and start leaning their own way. And then what does God do? He takes something away from them or something happens that brings them back. That's what God is doing to his church. I think we've lost our way a little bit, not like a ton, but just a little bit. And God's saying, Hey, it's time to come back uh, home, it's time to come back and fully depend on on me. And so I believe he's shifting the church, and it's going to be a beautiful thing. What God's going to do after this is going to be unbelievable. I know it's hard right now, but man, I know uh, when this is a little bit behind us, the growth that we're going to see. And listen, we're gonna our churches. Are gonna lose some families. There's gonna be some pruning that happen, but what God's gonna do is bring together the core that are fired up, that are all in, and we're gonna build it even stronger. Um, so I'm excited about what God's doing. Um, I've had to pray like never before, bold prayers uh, that honor God, and uh, I believe you know it honors God when we pray bold prayers. So we just gotta lean into Him more than ever, depend on Him, hear His voice. Um, be full of the Holy spirit. Um, if we're trying to do this without the Holy spirit and the guidance and comfort that he brings, you will burn out and you will be stressed out. Um, but I declared back in, um, December, um, that our, our church, I declared this over and it's kind of embarrassing. And I talked a little bit about this yesterday that 2020 would be a year of great joy and those two words, great joy. And back in December, I meant them, man. I went for it. <laughs> I said, I'm a pr- prophetically, you know, uh, casting this over you. And as soon as 2020 started to go downhill from a circumstantial s- standpoint, I, I thought, man, I hope nobody remembers this <laughs> message. Like, uh, or no, can we take this down off the archive or whatever? Uh, but James, the brother of Jesus, says, consider it um, an opportunity when you face trials of many times, it is an opportunity for great joy, specific word that he used. And, um, it just gives me confidence that, um, we can make a choice to rejoice. We can choose it and, um, and go after God in a new way. And he's going to make all things new. And, um, my shoot, I'm excited about it.
0: Well, that's, you know, I took notes on your message yesterday and the one thing that i capitalized and put exclamation point after exclamation point was it's a choice to rejoice right that's right every day every day that's good well matt hey i can't thank you enough for taking time to just share your heart, be vulnerable today, be transparent today. Um and so thank you for doing this. Uh, I know that you you're gonna be encouraging some young leaders. And hey if you're if you're listening to this podcast today um and you want to check these guys out, um they're doing some great work in North Carolina. Um their website is rescuehousechurch.org. And if you're finding a little bit of um you know, you just struggle a little bit with having that peace that pastor's understanding, all understanding that we, we know about, um, go to rescuehousechurch.org and listen to the teaching on six principles of peace. Um, I know it impacted me and it changed me. And uh, actually I had a devotion with my family last night and we just broke down those six areas. That's awesome. And, uh, and so if you're listening today and you want to um, find out other ways to bring peace into your life, Go grab that. And so, Matt, thanks again, and blessings on you and the church.
1: And can I just say one thing before we leave? Absolutely. I would just say if you're listening to this out there, and if there's any way Rescue House Church can serve you um, in any way, shape, or form, just reach out to us. We feel very called to help in any way we can, not that we've arrived or not that we have it all together. But um, if there's anything we can do to serve the Big C Church, the local church, uh, we want to do that. So if we can serve you in any way, make sure you reach out to us.
0: Thanks again for listening in. We really hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information about our podcast and other resources provided by the E-Team, please visit us online at e inccom